Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Tom had been sentenced to die. Born a blind slave in 1850s Georgia, he couldn't perform the typical duties of the other slaves. However, the infant and his family were sold to Neil James Bethune, a newspaper editor and secessionist, who let the infant live. Rather than joining his parents in the field, though, the young Tom was allowed to wander around the plantation by himself. One day, while walking the grounds, the toddler came across a new sound he'd never heard before. It was beautiful, a tinkling of ivory against taut strings. The plantation owner's daughters were having their piano lessons, and Tom listened intently as they played. He found ways to eavesdrop on their lessons, and whenever someone would sit down to play for company. By the time he was four years old, he was allowed to use the piano and could plunk out the songs that he'd heard. A year later, he was composing his own tunes. His first was inspired by the sound of rain hitting a tin roof. As he got older, his skills advanced, and Bethune took notice. Tom played his first concert when he was only eight years old. After that, Bethune started hiring Tom out as a slave musician, charging $15,000 per performance. You see, Tom possessed an incredible talent, one that he'd had since he was only a few years old. He only needed to hear a song once before he could play it on the piano. His memory extended to more than music, though. Poems and foreign texts were also retained after a single listen. In fact, when he was just a boy, Tom could listen to a conversation and repeat each person's side verbatim for up to 10 minutes. And he was an impeccable mimic, even going so far as to impersonate the birds he heard on the plantation, like the roosters and the crows. When he was 16 years old, Tom could sit down at the piano and play Beethoven, Bach, and Chopin with ease, again after hearing the songs just one time. He even got a chance to perform his original songs for Mark Twain and President Buchanan. He'd play one of his own melodies once, then repeat it exactly the same way to prove he wasn't faking it. He was a marvel. Several years later, Tom's tour was put on hold for the war effort, where he helped his owner raise money for the Confederacy. It was a gross injustice and a poor use of his talents, but sadly one that he had no way of avoiding. After the war, Wiggins was still indentured to the Bethunes and continued to live on the plantation as their ward. They traveled overseas to Europe, where Tom would give performances to great acclaim. He and the Bethunes eventually moved to a farm in Virginia where they would stay during the summer, but then tour all over North America the rest of the year. After the turn of the century, Tom took his act to vaudeville. He performed his first concert at the Orpheum Theater in Brooklyn. Over the next year, Tom toured extensively, putting increased strain on his body. His frenetic schedule caught up with him only one year later. In 1904, he suffered a massive stroke that caused partial paralysis. By December of that year, 
His days of performing were over. A few years later, James passed away, and his wife Eliza gained custody of Tom. The two of them moved up to Hoboken, New Jersey, where Tom continued to practice the piano from dawn till dusk, much to the consternation of the neighbors. He was hit by another stroke in 1908, and in June of 1909, blind Tom Wiggins finally passed away at the age of 59. By that time, he had officially become a free man. Since his death, plays, films, poems, and biographies have all been written about Tom. His compositions have also been performed by musicians from all over the world. The Bethunes treated Tom as a sideshow act and a cash cow, but unbeknownst to any of them, Tom was changing the face of music every time he sat down at the piano. Some may remember him simply as blind Tom Wiggins, but he was so much more than that. Tom was a revolutionary. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. This episode is sponsored by Intuit. Here's a story for you. Once upon a time, a young woman was haunted by the ghosts of bad financial decisions, with credit card debt and an empty savings account looming over her every day. When she tried to ignore these ghosts, they only grew bigger and scarier, and these ghosts of her bad financial decisions were stopping her from living her best life. So she decided to face them head-on and take control of her finances with help from Intuit. Intuit helps you face your financial fears with confidence through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Take a look around and you're certain to find something you take for granted. However, if you woke up one day to find that it had disappeared, your life might be changed forever. If the coffee shop where you get your morning cup or the grocery store where you do your weekly shopping were suddenly gone, you'd be lost, at least for a short while. More importantly, you'd be reminded just how valuable these things really were when you had them. In 1911, something else had disappeared but nobody really knew how valuable it was until it was gone. It was a Monday in August, and Vicenzo Perugia had an idea. He was going to walk into a museum and steal a painting. 
Perugia had gained work for a short time at the museum as a handyman. He'd helped install the glass covers that protected the paintings from visitors' grubby, dirty fingers. He'd also kept the white smock he'd worn as his uniform, which he wore as he strolled into the building with two helpers that morning. They were brothers, Michel and Vicenzo Lancelotti, who followed Perugia right into the building. No one gave them a second look. Perhaps they fit right in, or maybe everyone was just a little hungover from their celebrations the night before. As the other employees moved achingly around the floor, Perugia and his accomplices made their way to the room where the painting hung. They picked it up off its hooks as Perugia took off his smock, wrapping it around the glass-enclosed frame to hide it as they hurried outside with their loot. It had been that easy. For one, this was 1911, before electronic sensors and cameras were able to detect so much as a strong sneeze near a painting. Secondly, no one really cared much about the piece outside of a few art scholars. It wasn't particularly memorable or noticeable among the larger, more impressive works surrounding it. Believing that he'd gotten away with the perfect crime, Perugia raced home with the painting and stashed it away. He had hoped to sell it quickly and split the earnings with the two brothers who had helped him, but the painting they'd stolen was more important than they'd realized. News about the theft spread across the world within days. The New York Times reported that 60 detectives had been tasked with locating the missing work of art, while conspiracy theories began to emerge. Some believed a millionaire like J.P. Morgan had purchased it for his private collection. Others thought artist Pablo Picasso had committed the theft out of jealousy, and there were even rumors that the Kaiser had orchestrated the whole thing in the lead-up to the First World War. No one had expected three average Joes to simply walk into a museum and walk out with a painting. But the museum shut down for a week to help the police as they began their investigation. When it reopened, crowds of hundreds flocked to see the empty space on the wall. In fact, that open spot on the wall had become more popular than the painting that had once hung there. Perugia panicked. He couldn't sell it now, not while everyone was looking for it. He held onto it for two years until the heat surrounding it finally died down. Perugia had become paranoid, and the longer the painting was in his possession, like a telltale heart beating in his floorboards, the worse he felt. He booked a trip for himself and the painting back to his home country of Italy, where he met with gallery owner Alfredo Jerry. Jerry couldn't believe it. Seriously, he could not believe Perugia had been in possession of the painting everyone was talking about, so he asked another gallery owner to examine it with him. And they confirmed it. Perugia had been the owner of the most famous painting in the world for the last two years. Perugia clearly wanted to get rid of the cursed thing, and they told him to leave it with them. They would make sure that it got back to the museum without anyone knowing who had stolen it or how. Just kidding. They called the police, who arrested Mr. Perugia that day. When asked why he had taken it in the first place, Perugia claimed that he'd been performing his patriotic duty to return the painting to its country of origin. It had been born in Italy, and it should be hung there. But that had turned out to be a lie. Perugia's grand plan had always been to sell the painting and make a boatload of money. Instead, he got seven months in prison. After his release, he fought in World War I, and once the fighting had ended, he settled down to start a family. His life of crime was over. The painting also got a new lease on life once it was returned to the museum. Its picture has been printed in hundreds of newspapers all over Europe and the United States. 
For two years, it was all anyone could talk about, and the frenzy surrounding it had not quieted. In fact, ever since then, it's only gotten louder. Today, the iconic work of art can be seen hanging in the Louvre, but you better get there early if you want to set your eyes on it. The famous smiling lady on the canvas always draws a massive crowd, attracting millions each year from around the globe. Even to this day, the Mona Lisa still steals the show. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award-winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show. And you can learn all about it over at theworldoflore.com. And until next time, stay curious. Thank you.